They've watched Citizen Kane a combined 200 times. Elliot's first words were, I personally thought the use of Dutch angles was derivative in the 400 blows. And Nathan's favorite historical figure is Fritz Lang. Now they're bringing that snootiness to you with Magellan's at the Movies. they can't even hear i'm sure they can if you can hear me patting shadow uh send a see it's not showing up on the visualizer i think i think you'll still be able to hear it no. but whatever whatever uh we're back new week we're in the same place we're in indianola mm-hmm. together once again it feels so good I don't know if that's how the song goes. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay. Uh, Elliot, how was the latest episode of uh, The Last of Us? You know, I like this show, but it at this point, at this rate, it is very unlikely that it's going to be my favorite video game adaptation. Really? It's, it's rushing at a breakneck pace through things that really need to breathe, and it is letting hyperventilate things that we could really just, you know, move along through at a brisker clip. Mm. Also, it is much less violent than the game. And I don't think that because I'm a psychopath who likes violence, but I do think that the the brutality and the violence of the game is important to its tone and its themes because it's about, you know, the lengths and the often very unlovely things that people do in the name of love mm. but you just lose that when the the action scenes are so muted mm. and also they just make less sense cuz i know for a fact that something that is coming up it's hard to say this something is coming up in like the next two episodes that is going to make very little sense because in the most recent episode, the action scene that precedes this event was stripped back almost to the point of being non-existent. Interesting. So, you know, it's just, and these are problems that I had in the beginning and that I was hoping would fade away as the show went along, but instead they're just sort of piling up. Interesting. So I guess uh, by the end of this, I feel like you could take and edit and chain together a long review of all of The Last of Us from a grumpy old hater. Because every yeah. review I read for The Last of Us is very positive, and then I come and talk to you, and you're just like, it sucks, it's terrible, it's not violent enough. Yeah, I'm just a bit more discerning than the shill corporate oh. media. <laughs> sure, 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 <laughs> sure, Elliot. So spe- speaking of not selling out, uh, this week on the podcast, we're selling out. Yeah, are we? <laughs> sort of. We've been doing more artsy, fartsy sort of stuff. Oh, and I don't, I don't think uh, our, no- our numbers are reflecting it. 
Oh, really? <laughs> Dang. <laughs> so, uh, we've got to do something for the popular crowd, for the cool people. And uh, I got to choose it, so I chose Top Gun Maverick. Elliot, how excited were you to watch this movie? I was fairly indifferent. Fairly indifferent. I watched this movie in theaters. This was the second time I've seen it. I've watched it once in theaters. I've seen the original Top Gun. Do not care for it. Yeah, very bad. Very bad movie. Yeah. The, well, I think, it's not like atrocious, but it's just... Oh, I think it's bad. Oh, I wouldn't say it's like a horrifically bad movie. I just think it's a real product of its times and a product of uh, <laughs> fairly blatant military propaganda with very little story. The movie, that, that movie has no plot. Yeah. It has no plot and it has no characters. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, just, right. these planes are fast and loud and shoot things. Yeah. Very exciting. Um, I, not actually, not very exciting. <laughs> Okay, regardless, regardless, that's all we're going to say about Top Gun, the original. Right. Top Gun Maverick, one of, I'd say, the biggest news stories coming out of movies last year. It was a phenomenon. I think a lot of people attribute it kind of saving movie theaters in some ways post-pandemic. Sorry, Nolan. Tenet just, just <laughs> Tenet, didn't do it. Tenet did do it. Um. But it was a huge financial success. It was a huge critical success. It's been nominated for a whole host of Oscars, including Best Picture. And uh, I think it, along with Avatar 2, kind of represented, for some people, a throwback to blockbusters of old. And I hate Avatar 2, as we've both of us don't like it, as we've mentioned before. Right. So I thought to kind of talk about this old school blockbuster. Uh, I thought we should talk about Top Gun Maverick, which I rewatched most recently at a lock-in. I It was the movie that was chosen for like the final tail end of the lock-in. And so I watched it then. And it's kind of grown on me since I saw it in theaters. And so I, I wanted to talk about it. I've only been to two lock-ins. One of them I had to leave because I, I got sick. But the other one, I... I was still sick, but I stayed through. I did not enjoy either one of them. Really? Yeah. That's too bad, because I really loved the lock-ins that I would go to as a student. And I had to have gone to, like, six or seven, because a lot of times... Lord. My small group would do just us lock-ins, because oh. <laughs> our leader was the pastor of our church, so we could fairly easily get permission to be in the church for an entire night. So I've done a whole bunch. That's too bad. We should have a lock-in. Tonight, we could go to ICC yeah. and have a lock-in. Why don't we just have a lock-in here at home? <laughs> it's not like we'll be doing anything appreciably different at ICC. Although, know. if they, if the movies that they played at lock-ins when I was, you know, when I was a youngin' were stuff like, I don't know, The Offense, <laughs> that would, I would... I will be more interested. Okay. All right. Anyway, let's talk. That's unimportant. Yeah. Let's talk. Let's talk about the movie. Elliot, opening thoughts. Uh, let's get to it. Yeah. I really appreciate. There's a lot that I appreciate about this movie. And some things that I like about this movie. And then a significant chunk of things that I find pretty boring and pretty <laughs> underwhelming. 
So I don't know how how you cobble that all together into a coherent opinion. Because this is something that I've been thinking about ever since I saw it in theaters. I mean, it just kept on getting me and then losing me. It was a lot like my experience mm. with Everything Everywhere, where I was I was all in at points, and then at other points I was like, can we move on? Yeah. So I think at the end of the day, the practical jet fighter sequences are as good as you've heard. Yes. They are thrilling. They are so cool and so much fun to watch. And yeah, I, I, what is it that Tom Cruise said in his his little spiel? Real, like, real speed or yeah, something. something. I mean, like that. it's the sequences, they're visceral. You know, yes. they they have a weight and a speed to them that I think that you would be missing if it was CGI. Yeah. So that stuff is fantastic. And it, there is enough of it to make sure that this movie is never, you know, to bad. Mm-hmm. But the stuff outside of the planes ranges from fairly mediocre to just boring. And I think the reason for that is that it relies almost exclusively on history that we have not seen. Yeah. You know, the stuff between Maverick and Rooster, the stuff between Maverick and Penny, even this long friendship with Maverick and Iceman, Mm. who was supposedly the antagonist, I've heard him referred to as the antagonist of the first movie. He's just a person who accurately said Maverick is an issue. If that, I'm not going to talk about it. But yeah, apparently they've become fantastic friends uh, since that movie. And I think that, well, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but I think that Maverick and Iceman's scene works, but only because we have the actual context of knowing about Val Kilmer and his story and coming back to this movie and his, you know, relationship with Tom Cruise. But without that, yeah, it's, it's just... It all just falls very flat. Yeah, I think I'm more positive on the movie than you. Uh, I think the thing that really made me positive on the movie was after watching Avatar 2 and disliking it so much and seeing the reviews that were like, oh, it's like a throwback to classic sort of blockbusters. It made me really appreciate how much Top Gun Maverick is a throwback to classic blockbusters and in a way that's actually good and maintains my interest through the entire film. I think of the sections that you mentioned boring you a bit, I I like the sections with Maverick and Rooster, and I think they're kind of carried by Miles Teller and Tom Cruise. I don't love the stuff with Maverick and Penny because I agree with you that it's kind of, it's relying on stuff that is not really shown I just need to be spoon fed. (laughs) Yeah, we're like babies. But I think this last time I watched it, there was significantly less of Penny than I remember there being. I feel like when I saw this in theaters, I felt like there was a lot of the movie dedicated to it, but not really. I mean, he meets her the one time and then they go boating and then he spends the night and leaves. And then she really doesn't show up again until the climax. He doesn't spend the night. Whatever. He spends some time with her and then leaves. Yeah. But I really, I otherwise, I really agree with a lot of what you said, that it's the technical elements, the practical effects, the jet sequences are so, so cool. And I think some of these scenes do kind of work in almost like a Toy Story 3 sort of way, that it's assuming that you've grown 
since the original, which we haven't since I think both of us watched the original movie like the week that we watched Top Gun Maverick. Oh, I'm I watched I watch I'm pretty sure I've watched it the day I watched Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> so you hadn't aged very much at all then. No, yeah. I have not. But uh, I guess to move into the positives first, uh, let's talk about how great those the flying scenes are. Well, first, I, I think that we should start uh, giving brief plot summaries of the movies that we talk about because I feel like I feel like that would help you know sort of ground our analysis. Sure, sure. So, Top Gun Maverick is a sequel to Top Gun. Yep. It follows isn't his first name Pete? Pete Maverick. Pete, Peter Maverick, played by Tom Cruise. I, don't, it, I think his name is Peter Mitchell. Maverick Peter Mitchell is just his call sign. Oh, really? I've always... Because they refer to him as Pete Maverick. I'm pretty sure his name is Pete Mitchell. Well, whatever. Tom Cruise (laughs) is returning to the Top Gun Academy, which uh, trains pilots in the Navy, not the Air Force, which is something that I was confused about for a while, um, because an unnamed (laughs) enemy in a mountainous country, Snowy, so we're all thinking Iceland... So Iceland has gotten, <laughs> has started uh, enriching uranium or something in a secret base, and they need Maverick to train up new pilots to destroy the base in a basically suicide mission, all while he Maverick navigates um, a relationship with a lost a lost flame and a fractured relationship between him and Rooster, who is Goose's son whose career, Maverick, he didn't tank, but delayed through some stupid uh, contrived (laughs) thing that I barely even remember. Wow, yeah, good plot summary. (laughs) It would really be helpful. And now I will go through plot summaries of every other movie we've reviewed. Yeah, just just retroactively. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's funny. No, so then, now that you've done that, we can get to what I would have talked about. Um, the practical effects of the jet sequences. Yes. They are incredible. They feel reminiscent to me. They're made by both. In my opinion, both the practical effects that it looks real and then the editing of being able to convey like, oh, here's kind of the danger. Here's what these planes are kind of capable of. And then here's them, you know, doing something dope. Like when they break and it's flying, they yeah. fly past. And, oh, it's really cool. <laughs> Mm-hmm. real speed. Yeah, but it. I think all of the scenes where they're in the plane is when the movie is at the best. And I think the last, like, 40-some minutes of the movie is, in my opinion, the... Pe- I mean, it is so good. The suicide mission, and then uh, Maverick getting shot down, and Rooster coming back for him, and then them in... Again, I saw Top Gun, like, the week I saw this... But even I, when they were like, oh, we're getting in this old plane, I was like, the old pl- a retro plane! I I thought it was really neat. I didn't care at all. Well, I thought it was cool. But yeah, the practical scenes and the fighter jet scenes, I think, are where this movie really shines. In my notes, my favorite scene of the movie is when Maverick pro- basically proves that the mission is possible. Mm. When he comes back and does it, it had me at the edge of my seat in the theater. When I watched it again at the lock-in, I was at my edge of my seat again. I think that it is such a dope scene and it does such a great job of 
right? Pulling, they've established that none of the cadets can do it and they think it's impossible. And then here comes Maverick and he does it and he's so talented and cool. He's very talented. <clears throat> I think uh, these, so these are real jets, obviously. They weren't being controlled remotely. I think they were being flown by real pilots and the actors were like in a different part of the plane or something. I'm not 100% I, sure. I know they invented like a new type of camera to put on the outside of the plane so they could get footage like from like a cockpit POV mm -hmm. sort of thing. And that's kind of neat. I love it when movies invent new stuff. <laughs> no, I think that the the action scenes in this, ironically enough, given the, the trashing you just gave Avatar 2, remind me kind of a vintage James Cameron. You know, mm. like the action scenes in Terminator and T2 um, and Aliens. Yeah. Not not necessarily, obviously they're about very different things, but the way they're filmed and that visceral nature of, you know, that they're, they're doing this with real, <laughs> legitimately risky uh, machines. Like, yeah. I don't know if you remember, but in T2... The Terminator flies a helicopter, like, in a under a bridge or something, yeah. and they actually did that, which yeah. is incredibly dangerous. <laughs> but yeah, I I agree. They are really good. They're they're so much fun and they're fast and yeah, I I do love the suicide mission and I like the training bits. My favorite action sequence is probably the one in this retro plane that you are for some reason really excited about. Um, it has a really great buildup when they see the other pilots yeah. and he's trying to pass it off like he's on the same the, the same side. And then he doesn't know what to do and Rooster does, it's not the plane, it's the pilot. <laughs> Whatever, I don't think that's 100% true, but okay. And then, yeah, the maneuver that, oh man, it is really cool that when he, you know, slams the plane to the side to shoot um, the one to his to his right. And then... I'm getting really excited because it is really exciting. It's exciting. It's yeah. thrilling when the missile, the one shoots the missile at him. And so he flies in front of the damaged enemy plane. So the missile hits the enemy plane. It's really cool. It is very cool. Well, and I think the other thing that these action sequences have in common with like uh, classic action sequences from movies like you mentioned, T2 and Aliens is it kind of understands that at everyone's core, we kind of are just kids playing with action figures and that doing dope things with things we would... like. I can't believe we, you just said dope. <laughs> I'm hip to the, the kids. Okay. Um, but people doing incredibly cool things with things that are cool, like fighter jets, is always going to be something that entertains people. Mm-hmm. You know, and so like a helicopter flying under a thing. I think also of when Arnold's on the bike and he's reloading the shotgun by like flipping it or whatever. Shotgun twirl, yeah. I mean, it's just cool. And I think this movie has a similar understanding that it's like, look, you came here for jets. Here's a jet doing something cool. And they do do very cool things. Yeah. Like then, that, that is the, the weight of these scenes that they are so good that they really, that they elevate all the other stuff that is less good. Yeah, to 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 talk about some of the less good stuff then, I guess. Um, Miles Teller plays Rooster, and then there's a host Slept of other... Slept on actor, I gotta say. 
I agree. I see, and I've always felt I had a chance to watch Whiplash this week, but then we didn't. But I've always felt like Miles Teller. Who's we? We people I know. Anyway, okay. um, I've always felt like Miles Teller doesn't get enough credit for Whiplash because J.K. Simmons is so impressive. And I feel almost similarly in this movie that I think Miles Teller is doing a really good job, and I think Tom Cruise kind of takes some of the. Uh, attention away from that by just, you know, being Tom Cruise and he's so old and he does all his stunts and whatever. <laughs> Are there, is there even many stunts to do in this movie? Not in this. I mean, he fly. I think he can fly most of the planes that he's flying in this. Wow. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> I know. He's an impressive person. What are they doing in Scientology? I don't know. They're giving you fl flying lessons, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Why is everyone so worried about that? <laughs> but any, anyway, not to get Elliot's defense of Scientology. <laughs> uh, it's my, it's just disclaimer, I do not defend Scientology. <laughs> but what do you think of kind of the rest of the, the cast of attractive 30-somethings <laughs> who make up the rest of the cadets in this? I mean, they're... Can you, can you, how about this question? Can you name three of them? Phoenix, Hangman, and Bob. Wow! That's, I would only get Hangman. I can't remember the names of anyone else. Well, I can't remember the name of anyone else either. I think the, the, um, no, I can't remember. Uh, no, they're just a big collection of cliches. You've yeah. got the cliche, just, do people like Hangman really exist? I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. But yeah, just ridiculous swagger and <laughs> devil may care attitude and a, a need to bully that supersedes self-interest to a level that even Stephen King would be like, wow, is this guy just a complete sociopath? And then, yeah. You got the the cliche doubting admiral with John Hamm. You got the cliche glasses wearing one who's a bit more nerdy and a bit more socially awkward. You've got the woman, the black one. You know, it's just it's it's very cliche. Which I think in some ways also harkens back to the classic action. Tokenism, yes. Cause like aliens. I can't, I don't well, know the names of any of the characters besides Ripley and... Uh, you don't even know Bill Paxton's name. Well, yeah, Bill Paxton's character's name. The guy who says, game over, game man. Game over, man. Game, game over. You know, Vasquez in that movie is a white woman wearing brown face. I did not know that, no. Yeah, nothing like that <laughs> happens in this movie, yeah, thankfully. Yeah. Not that much of a throwback, all the way back <laughs> to Birth of a Nation. <laughs> the, original, the OG blockbusters. Yeah, okay. We're touching on a lot of really problematic stuff. But yeah, I mean, you know, honestly, though. Yeah. Phoenix has nothing to do. Bob has nothing to do. None of the other pilots have anything to do. The hangman has his cliche bully to friend arc to run through, but I don't buy it at all. Yeah. Like, their resolution, his he resolves himself to Rooster at the end after not being chosen for the suicide mission for no apparent reason. Yeah. Like they had, they hadn't, they never came to any kind of understanding. Yeah. Well, and I think they're all, I guess I'd be nicer to it. Cause in my mind, it's all just like, they're all just competent enough that there's never a moment where I'm like, this is so stupid and dumb. 
So I think I'm more okay with the generic nature of most of the supporting cast uh, than it sounds like you are. I mean, I didn't. It didn't make me angry or anything. I, 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 I was pretty. I, I, I did roll my eyes both times when I saw this movie at Hangman and Rooster's resolution because I was like, "Did you just forget that this was the thing you had to write?" And then you remembered on the last day of shooting, and you were like, "Oh shoot, we gotta throw something together here." Um, yeah, I do agree that I think Hangman is sort of weird, and there are moments where he seems unconcerned about something that it's like this is important to you. Like, why are you acting so aloof? You care about this. We know you care about this. But I also had a question for you, Elliot. So, obviously, this movie was made somewhat with the help of the American military. They used fighter jets from them, and they had other things from them. And so some negative reviews that I read for the film were basically just saying, hey, it's propaganda, whatever. And I guess I, I'm assuming you're not going to give it an F because it's propaganda. But I was kind of wondering, how much do you think you should bring in in a review of a movie like this? Like, how much do you want to bring in, like, oh, it's, right, funded by the U.S. military. Oh, the villain is so generic, but it's kind of like a wink, wink. It's Iceland. We all know it's Iceland. (laughs) Yeah, it's Iceland. America's arch nemesis, Iceland. (laughs) But I, I, I kind of wanted your uh, opinion on that. If How much you think uh, someone should come at a movie like this with those sorts of arguments or critiques? Uh, well, I think that it depends on the extent to which that's reflected in the movie. Mm. I did not even know that this was funded by the U.S. military. I wouldn't have guessed it because, you know, it's not like... I don't know. It's not like... So... In my history classes, I've watched old propaganda films from, like, you know, from the United States, from Germany and stuff like that. I guess that that's, you know, that's explicitly designed to be propaganda. But this one, it just, it's not jingoistic. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not even especially patriotic because it barely even mentions the United States or the military outside of the fact that this is a movie about the United States military. Yeah. You know, it's not talking about how awesome it is to be in the U.S. Navy or how cool the United States foreign policy is or anything like that. I feel like propaganda would be much more political than this. Mm. If the To the extent that I would classify this propaganda, I would call it more like just a recruiting tool which is very different from propaganda. Propaganda is trying to convince people of a specific political opinion. Mm. A recruiting tool is just trying to get people to join an organization. Yeah. And if you think that the United States military is not an organization worth joining for moral reasons or whatever, uh, I, I'm not going to comment on that, but then I would understand why you would give this a bad review. Although I think that is bringing in a lot of outside context. Yeah. Especially since the military play in, in a meta sense, in a sense of like, as an organization, 
plays such a small role in this. Like, it's really about people in the military. It's not really about the military. So I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think I quite understand. I mean, I understand where where those people are coming from. I don't think I I agree. Yeah, I agree. I I think the movie is has very little to do with, like you said, an American military machine or something. And it's much more just like Mavericks here. We're making a movie about jets. We need jets. <laughs> the military has jets more than it's uh, anything else. Well, maybe maybe we're just too well adjusted, and so we don't we don't see fast moving planes and are instantly like, "Wow, I want to join the Navy or the Air Force." Yeah, that is true. Also, for what it's worth, propaganda almost always comes with demonization, and despite the fact that we all know that they're fighting Iceland, it's not like, "Oh man, Iceland sucks. Iceland is terrible. Yeah, it doesn't. Don't go to Iceland." Yeah, that is true. They don't even, I mean, you don't even ever hear anyone speaking Icelandic or anything. Good point. You're really running all the way possible with this joke. What are you talking about? What joke? It is Iceland. I can't name any other mountainous country with a cold climate. Yeah, yeah. That starts with an I? Yeah. (laughs) Me neither, Elliot. Anyway, I think the only other thing I have in my notes is I really love the Val Kilmer scene even though it's 100% just coming from a place of it's cool to see a person who is struggling with the illness his character has in the movie. Uh, I still think the fact that Val Kilmer's in it, and I like the scene as well of him encouraging Maverick to keep doing what he's doing. I really like the Val Kilmer scene. It only kind of pulls in my heartstrings a bit. I did as well. I thought it was very sweet. Yeah, but, and this sort of points to my general problem that I mentioned already is that this movie's characters rely heavily on implied history. So, like, the scenes where Maverick and Rooster were fighting didn't really do anything for me because I I didn't see any of this conflict. It's, you know, it's very much telling and not showing. The same thing with Penny. I mean, we've barely mentioned her, A, because she doesn't play a huge role, and B, because... Again, I think that her scenes really fall flat. Yeah, well, and it's another instance of, it's just like the classic blockbusters in that there's a romantic interest solely for, like, the purposes of being a romantic interest. Mm -hmm. You could cut these scenes with her out of the movie, and I think the movie is relatively unchanged. Well, to the extent that any of these scenes work, I think you've already sort of mentioned this. It is because of the performances. Yeah. Like Jennifer Connelly is a very good actress. Miles Teller is a very good actor. Even Hangman, I think his name is Glenn something. Yeah. Uh, he's a good actor. Yeah. Um, Phoenix and Bob, they're talented enough, I guess. <laughs> but it's still, so it's kept from being completely flat, but it is still, you know day old Pepsi kind sure, of flat sure. where you're like, yeah, there's just not a lot to this. Yeah. You don't even like Pepsi. I don't. That's pretty, that's all I've got in my notes, Elliot. Any, uh, other thoughts? Um, I like the music quite a bit. That is true. The music is good. Uh, Hans Zimmer obviously is a great composer. Um, and this, the original movie had a very unique soundtrack and I think that he did a great job updating it. Yeah. Um, second time he's done that. 
Yeah. He does it with Blade Runner 2049 too, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Blade Runner 2049 too, the sequel to Blade Runner 2049. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> yes. I'm so bummed. Blade Runner 2050. Whoa. <laughs> let me, let me think. I guess I would say, I've always found it weird that they don't fight drones at the end of the movie. Because they kind of establish a through line that at the beginning of the movie that they're like, oh, we don't need pilots anymore because we can do everything with AI and yada, yada, yada. So I've always found it weird, or I guess always as in since I've seen the movie. I found it weird that they don't fight drones at the end because I feel like that would really tie up the whole we still need pilots because the human touch is more important than anything you know you can get without that. So it's not necessarily a critique. I just have always found it weird that they didn't decide to go with that. Speaking of which, does Ed Harris not pull much money these days? Or did they just blow a lot of money on what is essentially a cameo for him? I don't know. Maybe it's just their buddies, Tom and Ed are. Could be. Because, yeah, he is not in the movie very long. Hollywooders do be networking. They do be networking. That's true. That's what we need to do. We gotta get. We've been talking about sending out emails to famous people we want to interview and seeing. You know, this has nothing to do with any. Well, it does have something to do with stuff. I'm in a creative writing class right now at the college where I attend, and we've been reading, you know, short stories and stuff off the internet. And the professor has been when we have when we encounter a story that we have a lot of questions about, he's been emailing the writers with questions about stuff. And without fail, they have all gotten back to us. And some of them are, I mean, you you know, not Stephen King level big, but they are well-known, respected authors. So I don't know, maybe. Maybe if we pose as a a college. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll send it from my school email. Hilltop University. Yeah. Um, Anyway, anyway, uh, I think we're ready to do scores for it, you think? Yeah, I, I feel like there was something else I wanted to say, but I've, I've forgotten it, so it must not have been terribly important. If I remember, I'll bring it up. Yeah. Because we, we, we do not care, or at least I do not care at all, about structuring this in any shape. Yeah, well, that's very evident. As the person who edits these, it's very <laughs> clear you don't care about structure. I mean, you're the one who basically demanded that I insert an entire dissertation on the nature of propaganda. (laughs) I was just I was just asking your thoughts on this. What are your thoughts on that? I feel I feel very similarly to you. I think you should bring in other. I think you should always be able to bring in things outside the film when reviewing a film. Like if the movie was made in an unethical way, like I've. I feel like everyone should maybe mention that, right, Stanley Kubrick kind of harassed uh, Shelley Duvall on the set of The Shining. Because I think it's important to keep that in mind that, right, art should also be produced ethically. But I think... Or if it has unethical aims, like Birth of a Nation, which is about voter suppression of African-Americans. Yeah, I think you should obviously bring in stuff like that. But I think in this film's case, I agree with everything you said. I don't think the movie is advocating for anything unethical. And I think crucially, it's not demonizing another people any more than it's lifting up Americans just by depicting Americans doing cool things. Yeah. 
If it did, then I think we would have a different conversation. Yeah, I agree. Um, but anyway. <laughs> anyway, we're finally getting to the ratings. Uh, for all the reasons I've said, I, I enjoy this movie quite a bit. I think it's a heck of a ride. I think the action scenes are amazing. I think the scenes outside of the action scenes happen, and they're <laughs> and they're usually fairly entertaining, besides a few of them. But yeah, I think I'm gonna give this one. I'm gonna go eight point one out of ten. I I enjoy this one quite a bit, quite a bit more than I expected to when I first saw it, and even more than I did the first time I saw it. It's grown on me a fair amount. I was expecting like an eight point six four. Really you wow. Did a, you, Oh, no. You didn't do a rounding because then you would have rounded up. Um, This one was hard, to be honest, yeah. to settle on a grade because I know I taught the more the most stuff that I talked about was the stuff that I did not enjoy very much. That's because, as is usually the case, I have more to say about that or mm -hmm. I feel like I can articulate myself better in regards to that. But I did. I just want to emphasize that I really loved the jet sequences. Yeah, I. I the training sequences weren't as much fun, but they were still really good. And then the actual suicide mission, which did we mention how Star Wars that all is? The canyon I, run I, and I, the one in a million shot. I feel like anyone who's seen Star Wars should be able to parse out <laughs> the influence from Star Wars. Just insert Star Wars reference here. Yeah. Um, uh, by the way, see, I'm about to insert something completely irrespective of the flow of this uh, review. Good. The whole thing with Miles Teller's uh, Rooster's plane's uh, laser failing at the last minute and him having to do it blind, I did roll my eyes at that because I was like, okay, that's just a wrinkle that you don't need. And I it's bet. such a it's such a long shot and he doesn't have the force to guide him that I was like, all right, that's just kind of dumb. I mean, at that point, I do feel like the writers were just like, hey, this is kind of like Star Wars. And they're like, guess what? <laughs> it's even more so like Star Wars. Rooster, you've turned off your targeting computers. Everything okay? Yeah. I'm all right. I'm all right. Yeah. All they needed was for Iceman to come back from the dead in another plane. <laughs> well, certainly it would have been Goose. Oh, yeah, Goose. <laughs> I would have loved that. I love Goose. That's the goose one. the force, son. <laughs> yeah. Talk to me, Goose. Goose does start <laughs> speaking back. Talk to me, Dad. He does say, talk to me, Dad. He does, yeah. All right. Uh, uh, anyway. Yeah, you were giving your So time. I do love those sequences. Um, but yeah, I was... It wasn't every time, because, like, obviously the performances are good, so sometimes it was able to maintain my interest. But there were times outside of the planes where I was legitimately bored. Mm. I was like, this lasting along... We're spending a lot of time on something that I really just don't care that much about. Yeah. I think the primary offender, uh, or the one that immediately sticks out to me, is the first scene where Maverick meets up with Penny at the bar. I feel like that scene is really long. Or it, it maybe it's not really long. It feels really long, and it's about stuff that I don't, I don't really care about. But, you know, it's not... Well, most of it is not bad by any means. Uh, Hangman, I do think, is bad. But the music is really good. I, I really appreciate the practical effects um, and the, you know... There is, I was, I was going to say artistry and then I thought, I thought better of it. And then I, no, I think that there is some artistry to yeah. effects like this. Um, and I really appreciate that. So see, I'm still debating with myself. I think I'm going to go 
I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go B. Mm. I'm gonna go B. I'm gonna, you know, it is, it really is the a quintessential, quintessentially crowd pleasing summer blockbuster B movie. Yeah. So. All right. Well, now that we've got the review out of the way, let's go through some other crowd-pleasing blockbusters that maybe aren't B-movies. Maybe they're a B-plus movie. Well, the ones that I we we know what we're recommending, these are these are, these are are some good ones, folks. These are some oh, yeah. bl- crowd-pleasing blockbuster A-movies. Yeah, these are some really great movies. Uh, so I'll go first. Uh, I've been workshopping this joke for a week. Elliot's already heard it. Are you really excited? Have I? Yeah. So if you're if you're looking for another classic action franchise that's received a recent reboot, and if you even more specifically only want to see that action reboot if it's headlined by an actor named Tom, then have I got the film for you? Uh, because Mad Max Fury Road. Not even a joke. That's just describing the movie you're about to recommend. I know, but it's funny. It's not that funny. <laughs> All right, Mad Max Fury Road is my uh, <laughs> recommendation. It is an incredible movie. It also uses a lot of practical effects. It also has the understanding that we're all children that want to see things explode and flip and see a guy with a flaming guitar fight a dude with a wrench. That's all I've ever wanted. <laughs> it's all I've ever wanted. Uh, it's fantastic. It's a reboot of the classic Mad Max franchise, of which I've only seen the first, and the first was terrible. So I don't know if I'm going to see the rest. But this movie is amazing. It's high octane. It was also... Because yeah, cars. Yeah. Funny. See, that was funny. That was <laughs> sure. It's incredibly good. The practical effects are amazing. It looks amazing. Tom Hardy is great. Charlie's Theron is also really cool. Did you say Charlie's? How was it pronounced? Charlie's. Oh, Charlie's. Okay. I don't know how I expected to know that. <laughs> if you've ever heard her name... <laughs> On TV. Whatever, whatever. Charlize Theron is really great as Furiosa, and this movie is just really dope. Apparently, apparently Tom Cruise was like a, or not Tom Cruise, Tom Hardy was a complete tool on the set. That's unfortunate. That is unfortunate. But that is a fantastic movie. That is a fantastic movie. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly second that recommendation, even if you... Even if you don't care about blockbusters, this is a that that's a great movie to watch. It is it is absolutely nonstop. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Um, so my recommendation is not as I will admit is not as good as Mad Max Fury Road, but uh, it does have Tom Cruise in it, and I think that it is kind of it's a lesser known well, it's not not lesser known, but it was a lesser seen kind of movie. Yeah. It's Live Die Repeat, also known as Edge of Tomorrow. Um, which is an adaptation, I believe, of a manga? Yes. Or manga? Yeah. One manga. of those two. Yeah, manga, I thought so. Um it's called something silly, too. All it? You Need Is Kill. Yeah. Uh, that's a stupid name. <laughs> but, I'll, you know, uh, Live, Die, Repeat and Edge of Tomorrow. Actually, Edge of Tomorrow is a pretty good name. I like Edge of Tomorrow. Live, Die, Repeat is a stupid name. Isn't that the one that they ended up going with? Yeah, they changed its name to Live, Die, Repeat. That's after dumb. it After it came out yeah. like, on the disc, I think. It's yeah. Now, okay, this whatever. is all ancillary. Uh, so this movie is about uh, aliens invade Earth. That's a classic setup. And Tom Cruise is, he's a propaganda man. Yeah, he is. He's a propaganda man who ends up getting enlisted to become a an infantry trooper on the front lines of like a big... 
uh, counteroffensive, and he ends up getting the po- special powers of one of the aliens, which is to reset the day every time he dies. So it, it's Groundhog Day, but with aliens in action and stuff. It's also yeah. got Emily Blunt in it. She's a great actress. She yes. does really well here. Uh, yeah, this is absolutely a crowd-pleasing uh, blockbuster. It's got a really good hook, I think. Yeah. Groundhog Day as an alien action movie. The action sequences are done really, really well. Obviously, they don't. it's much less practical, but the effects are really good. It is, you know, it's very straight down the middle. It's a classic. It's your classic hero's journey. And I, I, really, I think that there is a lot to like about Tom Cruise's character and his arc from the sniveling kind of propaganda man to an actual hardened hero, yeah. stuff like that. But yeah, there's nothing too complex here. Uh, everything's just really well done and really, it, like Top Gun Maverick, it's got Tom Cruise and it's just thrilling. Yeah. And I think it is lesser seen, but I think everyone who sees it is always like, how did I miss this? This is such a fun film. Our dad loves it. It's one of his favorites. It's got Bill Paxton in it. One of his uh, oh, yeah. one of his last roles yeah, would have had to so. have been. Yeah, Bill Paxton. Another Aliens reference there. Yeah. Big Game a- over, man. Big Aliens fans here. No. Uh, <laughs> see, I, I'm i like the only person I've ever met who prefers Alien to Aliens. I have a friend who prefers Alien to Aliens. There you go. You should meet. You guys are a lot alike. Um, in other ways than just that. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, Alien's good. Alien's really good. End of, end of the episode. Yeah, maybe we'll do a James Cameron movie someday. Mm. It, would, it would have to be... I don't know. I don't know what it would be. But thank you for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Have you seen T2? Yeah. yeah. I don't really want to review either of those. Okay, we're not going to alienate our audience <laughs> by saying... Oh. Alienate? Oh! <laughs> All right. Next week, we'll be back with our regularly scheduled programming. Uh, Probably not from the same place, but we'll be talking about another movie that very few people have seen or that people already know how they feel about to the delight of literally tens of people. So look forward to that. Yeah, look forward to that. I look forward to it.